All right. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'll be starting in verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. I will be reading from the New Living Translation today, which is a little bit unusual for me, but I oftentimes Romans is very theologically complicated in some respects, and uh, the NLT or New Living Translation does a good job of basically saying what I want to say to you and without trying to spend much time of uh, tearing the words, tearing apart the words and trying to explain to you what it means, okay? That'll make more sense here shortly. Valentine's Day, oftentimes we think of boxes of chocolates and cards and loved ones and all the things that go with that. Sometimes there's even gifts that go along with that, uh, but particularly the cards and, and love. Right? We think of it as a time when we remember those who we love and appreciate those who we love right now. And I know some of my best times have been on Valentine's Day as I was cleaning the garage, moving, I found an old Valentine's card and there was another one I found that was, uh, I actually found an old Mountain Dew bottle that I had turned into a rabbit. Why a rabbit, I don't know. But I guess I was thinking more like Easter, but it ended up being Valentine's Day. Put a little heart on it and put little arms on it, put little feet on it, and I put a little head on it. And then inside of it, I inserted one of those things from the card shop that, so that when you squeeze the, squeeze the hand, it, it says this, Beautiful little hymn. You know, it's kind of cute, kind of stupid. I thought, what in the world happened to that guy? I did that 12 years ago for Julie. Now I'm like, ah, I haven't got a card yet. I'm slipping. I know. I was like, oh, boy. Oftentimes moving is a, is a, is a, is a chance to just go through stuff, and you think you're going to get a whole lot of stuff done, and you end up just sitting in the middle of the floor crying and reading a bunch of stuff from, you know, uh, you know, Days gone by, oh my goodness, how did it go so quick, right? There is a history to Valentine's Day, and there's, there's a secular side, and there's a, there's a Christian side, and I'm going to focus on the Christian side very briefly. There actually was a, a priest or a, a bishop back in the 3rd century over in Rome, and his name was St. Valentine. And he actually, according to some of this is legend, some of it is history, but sometimes these things can get exaggerated so I don't know we don't know and I got my information from a Christian source so I was careful with that St. Valentine was a real it was a martyr he was martyred for his faith and during this time that he served in the third century in Rome there was an emperor named Claudius and Claudius served uh, the Roman Empire for only about a year and a half or so but he was a mean dude and they were in war and as a result of that, Claudius, the emperor, the leader, he said, uh, we're not going to allow anybody to get married anymore between a man and a woman. It's not going to happen. Well, part of that was because if you got married back in that day, you didn't have to go to war. You didn't have to fight in the military. So a lot of men, soldiers were trying to get married. And, and uh, so they, he issued this decree or this edict. Well, Valentine, uh, St. Valentine, uh, he was quietly marrying couples and soldiers. And when Claudius got word of it, he was imprisoned, taken to prison and shackles and this and that. And now here's where the part that's not, I'm not sure comes in. He gave testimony to the jailer. And the jailer supposedly received Jesus and the love of Jesus. And then either it was Claudius or one of the counterparts of the jailer says, I want, I want proof of this God that you're talking about that saves. And so... Uh, Valentine, uh, either it was either his adopted uh, uh, daughter, 
who was blind, or it was uh, the daughter of the jailer who was blind. We're not sure on that. Either way, he had a fondness for her, and when, I uh, don't know if this was a, a love in a, in a fatherly kind of way, if it was a, that, the other kind of love, Eros love, but anyway, there's this blind woman who supposedly when he wrote this letter to her and laid hands on her, she got her vision back. And in the letter, he signed it, Love, your Valentine. The next day, he was bludgeoned to death, beat to death for his faith and for causing all the problems with, not, with marrying people. So gave rise to Valentine's Day as we know it, and it was on February 14th of that year, 2000, excuse me, 286 or something. So that's where it comes from. There was actually, prior to that, February 13th through the 15th was actually a secular celebration. Uh, there were some other things going on there, but the, the actual Valentine's Day that we celebrate today is in to remember the sacrificial love of Jesus and to love one another. That's the intent. It may have secular origins, but Valentine actually gave it a religious, Christian-based new beginning. Praise God. Before I read about God's love, I wanna, I'm going to take a passage from Romans chapter 9, verse 1. You don't need to go there. You're probably already there. It's probably on the same page as where you're at already, but it says this. Paul says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. As I got to thinking today, I'm thinking, if somebody asked me, what's your favorite passage of Scripture? There's so many. It's kind of a trick question, right? So many passages of Scripture, but time and time again over my 53 years of life, 30-some as a born-again Christian, this passage has always meant a lot to me because I'm always going back to the truth matters to me. I was always in the scientific side of things, right? Evolution and creation and got my degrees in biology and chemistry and environmental and Later, I took an interest in the uh, ministry. But truth is always important to me. And I love it when Paul says, I am, listen, I am telling you the truth. As God is my witness. This is truth. So this is my platform as a minister. When I preach to you, I try to preach to you everything that is the truth. God's word from beginning to end. There is no in-between. It either is true or it isn't. That's the way I am. I'm black and white. That's why I'm such a good safety person, I guess, because it's either right or it's wrong. And you can be loved or hated for it, but you're respected because you've drawn the line. We as Christians, too, have to draw the line and say either God loves us or he doesn't. You know, the idea of the crucifixion, that when Jesus went to the cross, this was a horrible, horrible death of asphyxiation, of brutalness, of being out in the elements, and starvation, and suffocation, and then just the brutality of, the, of being up there almost naked, and being in front of people who, you know, one, he, he, he was completely innocent. Not only was he completely innocent, but... The people that put him up there mocked him. His, one of his best friends, Judas, betrayed him. The other disciples left him. His father abandoned him. And we are to look at the crosses 
Everything that is wrong with the world was consumed and put on that cross in front of us so that we could see our worst fears, our worst sin magnified right there on the cross. That the love of God can conquer all. Anything that the world has done, it's awful. And there's so much of it. You and me included. Everything you've done, all of your fears can be summed up in one thing. The cross where Jesus was. He went there. God loves us so much that nothing can defeat the love of God. Yet at that moment, people thought this is it. This is the guy who says he's God and he can't even get himself down off the cross. Well, i got news for you. He could have if he wanted to, but he chose to die for you and me. He became sin where there was no sin. He was a, lived a sinless life and died on a cross for you and for me. He was a very representation of all that we fear the most, and that is death. We're all destined to die, and we all fear it. At some level, we fear it, and we fear all the things that we've done in our lives. Or we're never going to be good enough for God. And you're right. You're not ever going to be good enough because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen into iniquity. All of us. This isn't a place where people come because we're perfect and we worship and we're righteous. No. We're sinners and we need saving and we need help and we're sick. That's why we don't walk past the guy that's drunk on the street. That's why we don't walk past the person that's coming out of the box. That's why we don't walk past the person that's homeless. That's why we welcome anybody to come into church regardless of race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, whatever. We welcome everybody the opportunity to share the gospel of Christ. Christ didn't die just for you. He died for your neighbor who you don't like. He didn't die just for you. He died for all persons that would ever live and have lived and all who would turn to him in faith and give Jesus the credit will be saved. Either that's true or it's not. Either it is the most insane thing that has ever happened, the most insane story one could possibly make up, or it's 100% true. Which is it? I beg to different that it's true. Otherwise, I wouldn't be up here. I waste your time. There is hope where there appears to be no hope. Life is hard, folks. Life is hard, but God is good. Listen to what he says to us in Romans chapter 8. Again, from the New Living Translation, starting in verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Everything I just told you. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? You plus God can defeat an entire army. You plus God can do anything that God has planned for you. Don't give up. And he goes on to continue to give us his hope. He says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. He gave himself to us. This isn't a mythological story or a legend. This is true. Jesus was a real person, just like 
The President of the United States is a real person. We don't ever see him or her, but we certainly know about them. They're on TV. You may not have ever met them. Maybe all fabricated, or maybe we didn't go to the moon, or maybe the earth is flat. You know, right? We're told all this information. Jesus is the Son of God. And He never changes through all generations. So He says that uh, if God uh, did not spare even His own Son but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? He says no one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. <laughs> no one. It says, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So folks, I didn't finish the story. He's on the cross and he dies. He says, it is finished. Three days he's gone. Buried in the tomb. On the third day, hallelujah, he arose again. He's alive and he walked the earth and gave testimony to hundreds of people. It couldn't possibly be made up. Men and women for centuries have died telling this story. For what? For what gain? Personal? No. Because many of them suffered the same fate on the cross. Faced their same fears. But said, nothing is too great for our God. No matter what's going on in your life, loved one, God loves you. And he reminds us of this. He says in verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Now listen, listen closely. This is why I picked this passage of Scripture. This is why I picked this translation. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened or threatened with death? If you're going through the worst calamity, going through death, fighting cancer, fighting a divorce, fighting financial situations, fighting a, a, a mental illness, whatever it may be, depression, whatever it may be, a job loss or a job gain, Whatever it is you're struggling with in your life, we all have skeletons in our closet. He says, is there anything great enough to keep you from God? Well, of course not. Nothing. In fact, he says, verse 37, no, to answer that question. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through who? Christ, who loved us. Some of you are not believing that and not walking in that way today. Some of us just are relying on our own abilities. We live in a society today that encourages you to go out and take care of yourself. Number one, first. Take care of yourself first. And then if you have time, if you have extra money, if you have extra whatever it may be, then maybe you can worry about your neighbor. Folks, all of us have only gotten as far as we've gotten because of God himself. 
You had absolutely no choice over any of the genetics that have taken place in your body. You had no choice of where you were born, what color you were born, whether you're a man or a woman. You had no choice in that. How can you then stand up here or stand down there and say, I'm going to be proud to be fill in the blank. God made you. There is, from a scientific perspective, I can tell you this, and I have studied it. There is absolutely nobody who ever has been or will be like you. You are a unique creation of the almighty God. There is nobody like you. Nobody. Don't ever compare yourself to somebody else. God made you exactly the way he intended for you to be. And the things you're going through, the calamity, the trouble, whatever it may be, that does not mean that God doesn't love you and it doesn't mean he doesn't exist. That's just the world in which we live. It is not a prosperity gospel as some would preach that if you come to Jesus, everything's fine and nanny. Rather, when you come to Jesus, we serve. We're soldiers in this war. We're soldiers. And are there blessings that come from that? Yes, there are. Don't compare yourself to everything you read on social media. Don't do that. It's damning. It's not, a tr- it's not true. They have filters now that even make you look prettier than what you really are. It's all fake. Don't just say, well, some of us not. No, it's all fake. Why do I say that? Because when you read something, you read it in your context. How many of you read something and go, oh, they're on vacation again? Look at them putting a picture of themselves in the bikini again. You're all going, uh, getting kind of uncomfortable. You know what I'm talking about. It's fake. Nobody is better than the skin you're in right now. You absolutely, everyone knows is absolutely equal in God's eyes. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents, but we all have the same love given to us by a glorious God in heaven above. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, waiting for his second return. Had a phone call the other day. I said, Pastor, all this talk about the end of the world coming in 2022, what is that all about? Or 2024. You know, there's always somebody somewhere along the line. Some cult, some religion, some whack job out there saying that the world's going to end. They've been doing that since the first century. How do I know that's a lie when we hear that? Because Jesus himself says, I know not the day nor the time that I will return. But be prepared so I come like a thief in the night. Jesus doesn't even know because the Father has that sole decision as to when Jesus will return. So we are to be prepared at all times and know that no matter what calamity, what persecution, how destitute we are, or how hungry we may be, or what danger we're in, or even if we're threatened with death, that Jesus has got our back. Maybe it was appropriate I wear the red tie today. Is anybody feeling the power of the Holy Spirit today? Is the Holy Spirit moving, speaking to you at all? At all? I'm kind of emotional today because I'm thinking about my friend who can barely walk, losing his son and drinking himself to death. And maybe it's not alcohol for you. What is it that you're so consumed with? 
popularity, money, looks. What is it for you? Here's I got news for you, my friends. We all struggle with something. Even those of us we look at go, they're a saint. They're struggling with something. And when we sin and when we struggle, turn to God. Don't run from Him. Maybe you committed a sin this week and you think it's just unforgivable. There may be some people here today in church who didn't come because they sinned this week. No, what you need to do is turn to God. Come to Him. And shame on us if we judge Him. No, we, we love people. We don't like the situation, but we love them. And we don't question it. We go on. We know that God's got it. And He's got you. We, we come here for healing. We come here for rejuvenation. We come here to get our batteries charged. We come here to say thank you because how often during the week do we actually say thank you to God? You know, even as your pastor, I pray nightly with my wife and there's times when I hold her hand and I just don't feel like praying. I had a long day. I'm tired. And there's times, that, and, and it's during those times that I just fight through it. And my wife, blessed with the Holy Spirit, will say, we need to pray. We need to pray. Once you lead us in prayer, once you lead us in prayer. And I never have said to her, I've never said to her, I've never, ever, ever said, I don't want to pray. But inside me, sometimes I feel like I don't want to. And it's at that moment when I do pray that the power of the Spirit comes to light. And all that bothered me, all the reasons why I didn't want to pray, suddenly just disappear because I've done what God has asked me to do. Got off the phone with several of you yesterday and we got off and, we, and my wife says we need to pray for every single person that you talk to and every single situation. And we did. And it takes two. It takes a good spouse or a good husband or a good friend sometimes to keep us in line where iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. It's so important to get together. Verse 38. Paul says, I am convinced. Paul went through a lot of bad stuff, folks. He wasn't living in a Motel 6 watching Netflix. He didn't have an iPhone or an Android phone. And some of you are going, I don't have that. I have a throwaway phone. He didn't have one of those either. He didn't have a Go phone. He had nothing. Most times he didn't have enough clothes. They didn't have dishwashers and laundry washers and places you could take your clothes. They didn't have all that. They'd, life was tough for them too. Yet he says, I am convinced. <laughs> he had nothing to look at to go, I'm convinced. In terms of looking at other people or other situations, he was just looking at himself and his circumstances and, and, and being in prison, in bondage and in chains many times and beaten for his faith. And he wasn't a dumb guy. He was a very well-educated, smart guy. I am convinced that nothing never separate us from God's love. Nothing. Nothing. Folks, nothing means nothing. There's nothing. Maybe you've got an attitude that's not for gratitude. Maybe you've got an attitude of, I don't know. I'm going to wait. I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to wait, see if this God thing's real. Then I'll get busy. Listen, maybe you've got that kind of attitude. Even that attitude, God can forgive and work through. 
Turn to Him. Give Him all of it. Look upon the cross and say, that is not just Jesus. That's me on the cross. I deserve to be there, not Him. By today's society, by our standards, we're good people, right? That's what the world wants to tell us. The majority of the world is good people. And I I understand there are good things that go on, but even by that standard, even by our own standards, that's not good enough for God. When you get up to the pearly gates, so to speak, and God says, why should I let you in? And that's not biblical, but I'm just saying so you understand. Why should I let you in? And you say, well, because I was a good person, because I gave money, because I sang, because I went to church. He's going to say, not good enough. Yet what we need to say is because of what your son Jesus did on the cross for me, I am not worthy. God will smile. He wants and deserves the glory and the credit for everything. You and I are just not that good. And we're not good enough. For where we have fallen short in one of the commandments, we have fallen and are guilty of all. Well, I've not murdered anybody, really. If you talk about anybody behind their back and put a knife in their back? I've not stolen anything. Well, have you ever talked to somebody in such a way that you stole their very hope? You stole their joy? How many times has somebody said to you, hey, I got a new car. Come look at it. And you're thinking to yourself... Pete's sakes, how did they afford that? And instead of saying something nice, like, well, good for you. Praise God. We turn around and talk to our friends and say, can you believe the color of that car? <laughs> there are some people who will actually tell you that to your face. You ever had something, ever had something you're so proud of? You're so excited you accomplished a task, and the first person that tells you they did it better, you just kind of write them off, and you go, why are people like that? Why are we like that? When somebody else has something, thank God that they do. Don't be jealous that you don't. Be content and happy with everything that you have because God has given it to you. You have dreams and aspirations, go for them. Run it by God. God, is this what you want me to do? And it may seem silly to some, but that's the way God's leading you, go. If you're wrong, he'll bring you back. Let me tell you something. When you're pursuing God's will that you think is his will, you will never be punished for it. When you're pursuing God, God will meet you where you're at. He will, he's already on his way out to meet you. He just wants you to take that step. I don't know what to do. Take a step of faith. You will never be punished for taking a step of faith towards God, even if you're wrong. God knows that. We're imperfect people in an imperfect world. And Lord knows I've taken a lot of wrong steps, but he somehow really brings me back in love. Remember this day and this Valentine's Day that not do, not ju- just your best friends and your loved ones love you, but the, the love that is impenetrable, the love that goes beyond comprehension is there and available for you. And even those that don't love God right now, God loves them. He gives us every opportunity to come to him because of his grace we are saved through his son and faith in his son Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Faith alone in Jesus alone. Amen. God loves you and so do I. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day.
Thank you for St. Valentine. Even though there's a corrupt part of that story, we know that his intention was to give glory to your son Jesus and to prove your love. Lord, as we remember today our Valentine, our greatest love should be for your son Jesus. For you exhibited that greatest love to all of us every day. Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray and the congregation says, Amen. Amen. Our musicians will come forward.